Jesus proclaimed the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. He didn't preach preach the gospel of salvation. The kingdom of God is about power. It's about government. A momentous occasion took place in South Africa recently. When the Constitutional Court passed down a judgment finding the president, his government, and parliament in contradiction to the Constitution, at fault with the Constitution. Well, well, that was great, but they've been ignoring the Constitution for years, so what? But the miracle in answer to prayer the government submitted. They accepted the finding, apologized, and I listened to the chief whip of the ANC castigating his own party and saying, how could we get here? How could we allow this to happen? Because it's been happening for a long time, by the way. So, so in principle, what happened was the executive power and the parliamentary assembly were brought to account before the judiciary, which is how a parliamentary democracy is meant to work, because there's nowhere ever meant to be unlimited power. So we turned, returned to constitutional democracy last week. It's a very significant story. It's a very important occasion. We thank God for it. Because they've tried to be and avoid it for years. The power elites have been running roughshod over the constitution. I question whether this would happen anywhere else in Africa. Where constitutional democracy is given lip service. Now, last week, we were enthralled here by the exegesis of the book of Esther. In which the king exercised absolute power. No nonsense about constitutional democracy. He flicked his fingers and whatever his desire was across his enormous empire. That was it. As the narrative unfolded, we heard of two relative nobodies. One of the harem And the Bolshe guy sitting in the street who wouldn't bow down to the Prime Minister. 
who became, as the story reached its climax, people of great influence and status and authority. This was a result of a string of coincidences, if you believe such nonsense. No, the finger of God was weaving the tapestry of his purposes into the course of events, even though God himself didn't even get a mention in the story. The survival of the Jewish race was at stake and therefore, in a sense, the salvation of mankind because the Messiah was had to come through that stream. It's lucky, isn't it? In the same way, our own lives operate with a double drama played out with the macro and the micro the cosmic and the personal in what is called the mega narrative the big story God is directing the course of nations just as he was in the time of Esther notwithstanding the Middle East. In the noticing when a sparrow falls, So God is involved in the minute daily doing of our lives. Intimately involved. Especially in those many casual meetings that just so happened. Like coincidence. God incident. They are time to the second. I mean, another one happened last night. Uh, I, I went down to the pub to watch the sharks. Uh, I drank lemon juice and things. <laughs> Believe that if you like. As I came back, I just happened, by coincidence, to be passing through at the gate. And I, in the dark, saw a movement and it was Ayanda trying to dig through to Australia because there was a burst pipe in here and he was trying to find the stopcock so it was a bad timing for me I was looking forward 
getting home. So we splashed around and turned this and turned that and fumbled for this. And I said, I'll go and find the cavalry. So I went home and I rang. I rang Laura and Lance and Gareth and Dorothy. Sounded the trumpet. Just so happened. And Jane and I were putting on our boots and ready to come down, join the cavalry. And the phone went. And Nyanda was on the way and said, He's fixed it all up, he's found the stop cock. Stand down, stand down. He rang up the Bowden cavalcade and Lance went back to sleep. That stuff happens all the time. I mean, when I had finished finally typing up my notes for this ministry, my printer crashed this morning. I got them. As with Mordecai and Esther, God has plans for our promotion, which the Prince of Darkness intends to frustrate. He tells us by telling us we're failures. We're unworthy, we're ineffective, we're useless. He plays with our emotions. And we sang that marvelous song, I do not live by what I see, and I do not live by what I feel. Trouble is, we do. Recently, some long-term friends and colleagues of mine have shared with me how they are finished and want to pull out of this kingdom trek. They've lost their purpose in living. They have forgotten that they are the workmanship of Jesus Christ, who is not ashamed of his work in and through them, but boasts of it in heaven. So when we think we're a wipeout, God thinks we're the finest thing that sliced bread because he sliced it. These, my friends, who have run out of puff have been focusing on the weather of their feelings and emotions and circumstances which swirls around the mountain of their standing in Christ. Now the mountain stands firm, but the weather changes. Christian life is a paradox full of seeming contradictions. Jesus says his yoke is easy 
Why then do Christians suffer? It's part of the journey from Egypt to the land of promises or the promised land. We are being fitted to co-inherit the kingdom of God. We are training for reigning. And some of you say, well, I don't want to reign. It's not what you want. But before we reign with God and rule the world and rule archangels and the angelic realm as we're told we shall, we have to learn to master our passions, furies, fears, prejudices, addictions, lusts, moods, jealousies, reactions, attitudes and relationships. If we're unable to rule and govern what's going on inside, how can we be entrusted with the mega narrative? That's what's happening in the life of discipleship or discipline. I do not see the church as an institution or an organization. I see it as a spiritual, mystical organism which shines in pockets, quanta, of fellowship, like stars shining in the night sky. There's more night sky than stars, but the stars are penetrating the darkness. One day the morning star will come Followed by the sun of righteousness. And the darkness will be eclipsed. So Paul tells us, terrible times will come. Well, I've heard the prophet say, wonderful times will come. Well, Paul says, terrible times will come. Both these things go together, the tares and the wheat go together. Antichrist is at the door. Meanwhile, the word of God says, the path of the just is as a shining light which shines more and more to the perfect day. There's a perfect day coming. A perfect day. More and more until the perfect day. The justified have got a great hope. The world is in really big trouble. Such unspeakable evil beyond imagination. Yesterday, Andrew Carr spoke at the men's breakfast in Bothers Hill. He said that he knew from a young man the reason for his existence was the pleasure and purpose of God. And a lot of my friends said they've run out of purpose. What's the point? Why am I here? Did Andrew say, even though he knew the Lord, 
as much due to his grandfather and father as anything. He knew the reason for his existence was the pleasure and purpose of God. So why are we here? We're here for the pleasure and purpose of God. And I sometimes get the impression that for many Christians, they think God's purpose is to please me, which he does. May we today recognize that God's purpose in each of our lives Let's see this. In the fullness of kingdom, we are going to judge. The word judge and rule in the, in the Bible, depending on its context, is synonymous. The judges were the rulers. We're going to rule not only the world, but even angels. Athelie. Going to be God's governor general of Australia. Someone's got Syria, but it won't be like it is now. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, don't you know, you're going to rule and reign and govern the world. God has invested in the human soul something of his own nature, which is lordship. And, and some people are like that, other people don't want it at all. I mean, Alan Judd's not here, I think it's the last thing he wants to do Rule over anybody. But God's purpose is that we should rule, judge, reign with Christ over the world, not only the world, but the angelic realm as well. Know you not that you shall judge angels. Mighty archangels will stand to attention and bow child of the most high come, God comes down. Which is why, beloved, we have to get our act together. Which is why the turmoils that are going on inside here have to be brought under that peace of God which the world cannot understand. Which is why you can go smack me in the face one way and another. And all we say is that your lot? Because we're in training for reigning. Know you not? 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 and 3. Know you not? And what Paul was so angry about was that the Christians were taking one another to court over commercial issues to the pagan court. And, and Paul's attitude was this. It doesn't matter if you get wronged, but don't go and let the pagans decide. You're going to rule over the world. Can't you just rule over just a couple of million down here? 
This is God's perspective. This is God's word. This is God's purpose. This is what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to President Zuma. Maybe it's irrelevant myself. But God says to me, Jonathan, don't you know you're going to rule the world? Oh. Okay. So get your act together. God's idea of government is not the world's idea. God's idea of government is washing people's feet. You call me Lord and Master, and that is right for that's who I am, and this is how it works. He took a towel and a basin, and he washed their feet. It's not domination. It's not oppression. Service, edification. But here it says that rule will not be a constitutional democracy, but a total royal dominion exercised by decree. Get ready. <laughs> 